welcome to this episode of Last One to the Party. I'm your host, Jessica Elena Easton. This time, we're talking about the one and only Patti Lapone. Most people know her best from recent roles on Pose, Steven Universe, Penny Dreadful, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, 30 Rock, or Life Goes On. She's appeared in the films Witness, Driving Miss Daisy, Heist, and State and Maine, to name a few. But Patti Lapone is most famous for her tour de force performances on Broadway. She's a two-time Tony Award winner. A hello, Tonys, you owe Patti like 20 more. She won her first Tony Award for her performance as Avida Perón in the original production of Avida with Mandy Patinkin. She won her second Tony Award playing Mama Rose in Gypsy. Life-changing performance. I was lucky enough to be in the audience. She's the OG Fantine in the original London production of Les Mis. She's my favorite Reno Sweeney in Anything Goes. She played Norma Desmond in Sunset Boulevard in London before Andrew Lloyd Webber lost his mind and kicked her out. His loss, because her performance on that original cast recording is masterful. She was a masterclass, Oliver, and the list goes on and on. There are a lot of divas on Broadway, but there is a one queen, and that's Patty. Patty's voice, Patty's acting, Patty's charisma. She owns every room she's in. She's a star with a capital S-T-A-R, and somehow her shining light has escaped my husband. To be fair, he spent his college years and many years after, some might say still, in a deep, deep jazz hole. And it goes even worse than that because uh, when I was rooming with a drummer friend of mine, Ted Sirota, we were listening to a song, and as soon as the tenor saxophone solo ended... I started to fast forward to the next song, and he was furious. He said, what are you doing? And I said, oh, sorry, habit. And he just looked at me, and he shook his head so disdainfully and said, you're such a tenor Nazi. So it was a jazz hole inside of a jazz spiral. It was deep. Don't be jealous of that jazz hole. I've had to tell people that there is a chunk of at least five years of pop culture that I just utterly missed out on. Just no idea maybe 10 where I just people make references I'm like I don't know what that is yeah I think 10 especially when it comes to music more than anything music is where you really you watch TV and movies but you really missed out on music well back in the day back in the day at Berkeley nobody really had a TV in their room because you were practicing and nobody wanted to pack one and then bring it home and so I didn't get caught up on TV until I went home for summer breaks Mm. so even then there was a little bit of a, a little bit of a gap um, and the yeah. funny thing is, Berkeley in Boston is very close to the Boston Conservatory, where I went to college for a short time, and home, where Patti Lapone is yeah. uh, saluted, saluted, bowed yeah, to. Sure. Um, and that's where I came to know her from my friend Abe Sylvia, who is a song and dance man as well as a director and a writer. Yeah. And the very few encounters that I had with the the fine folks at Boston Conservatory, which is now a part of Berkeley, but at the time was not. I found most of them to be confusing and or tiresome. Musical theater people? (laughs) Tiresome? (laughs) Oh, what? (laughs) Um, Except for we're all singing, which we love to do at any time of day or night. When we finally were married and living together, my husband would often suffer through an exquisite show called The Tonys. And I adore them and love them and have my friends over. And we would just squeal with delight. I mean, we lo- I love The Tonys. And I could hear him from the other room yelling, Oh, that person's vibrato. That person's horrible. 
Well, in my defense, it didn't start out like that. At first, mm. when we were first dating, I would watch the Tonys with you. And you keep... never liked them, though. But you could maybe feel that I didn't like them, but it wasn't until... could feel it. It wasn't until later that I would be sitting in a different room and somebody would be singing some song from some revival, and I just... It was say... Sparza singing from Company, <laughs> Being Alive. Being alive. He was doing a wonderful job, and my husband ruined it by screaming, that vibrato. Well, stylistically, I have a, it just is very foreign to me. My first exposure, for example, to Porgy and Bess is the Miles Davis Gil Evans version of Porgy and Bess. To me, that is how that music sounds. That's my first and deepest connection to it. So when I then heard the actual stage recording of it, I was so disappointed. on the Tonys I just it was grating I was like when is this gonna swing when are you gonna have like good people play it ain't necessary yeah so watching the Tonys there's just the vibrato more than anything the vibrato coupled with the um, overflowing earnestness tends to yes. put me off off the edge now listen i i am with you i that's why i probably didn't stay at the boston conservatory because i also can't stand the earnestness that is why my women my divas are elaine stritch who i want to be my whole life and patty lapone i mean like the the best of the best people that are just connected their head body soul voice connected Audrey McDonald. She's amazing. The times yeah. I've heard her, she is clearly astounding. Yeah. And, and there are people that I can connect to a little bit more than others. Because I think with Elaine Stritch and with Patti Lapone, those two both share a, a lack of earnestness and or maybe optimism. I'm not sure if that's completely <laughs> fair to say, but they have a certain skepticism. They have a certain jaundiced, side-eyed look that they would give you that I think a lot of other Broadway performers can't pull off convincingly that's called acting they can act and i say that being a coming from that background and i had an amazing teacher at the boston conservatory who told me right away um you should leave because you want to act and they're not going to teach you how to act now listen no there is no shade at the boston conservatory it might have totally changed but that was years ago and also that's not what they usually teach you in musical theater all fairness right they're trying to teach you to sing and to dance and to sing out and you know smile but the great ones do it all. So being alive, as anyone out there that knows Pyla Pone, she has an iconic version. Being alive, being alive. And you're moved. You understand every single word. You get every flavor, every... It, it has so many changes in it. She just... There's nothing skipped. She doesn't skip any part of the story that she's telling you. There, there's also a certain thing with Patti Lapone, and in general, I think with a lot of Broadway singers, that they, to me, evoke the brass section in a in a big band, which is my least favorite aspect of a big band most yeah. of the time, is because the it's Ethel just, Merman effect. Yeah, it's just loud, 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 and she does that. Patti Lapone does that, but she does it with again that conviction, that acting, that attitude that I'm able to sort of, it gives me a doorway in. Because the only musicals I mm -hmm. watched in my life, any kind of concentration were The Music Man, 
West Side Story, and Godspell. <laughs> and I know Godspell is like the corny one. I mean, Music Man is now probably considered corny, but I, I think the no, music is No, the music is, is beautiful. I love the music. music. Godspell is corny, but I think as a child watching it on, you know, Channel 9 on a Sunday afternoon, <laughs> the color and the comedy of it really drew me in. And the way they depict Jesus being crucified really got to me as like a nine, ten year old kid. I was like, oh, and then that made me start reading the Gospels to <laughs> sort of get the as, actual as story. As one does, see um, Godspell run out to the Gospels. <laughs> you know, I never gravitated towards Jesus Christ Superstar because that to me seemed like fake rock and roll. Just, oh. Oh, so all these things, these are stop. my own. Please stop. Ted Neely, my... I do not share that view. No, most people clearly don't. But I'm just saying that's my that's my bias. And so, you know, recently we watched the that's right. recently, Sondheim, the 90th, but also you you brought up Yeah, we watched the, the 90th, 80th. where she sings Any, uh, Anyone Can Whistle. And listen, she's singing it alone to a click track in her house and just connected its next level. I think a doorway in for my husband, we watched the Sondheim 80th concert and where she sings the ladies who lunch where, where all the divas are in a semicircle and elaine stritch is there what did you feel when you watched her sing that here's to the ladies who lunch everybody laugh <laughs> lounging in the caftans and planning a brunch patty lapone was able to invoke everything that needs to be invoked but without blasting at triple forte at you they both do this great thing where she gets to the line about the ladies wearing a hat and does anybody still wear a hat choosing a hat does anyone still wear a hat she doesn't hammer the line the way Elaine Stritch does on the recording. And then she very deliberately does a take to Elaine, kind of as a tip of the hat, if you will, as a tribute. <laughs> and Elaine does the perfect take. That, to me, is a, uh, is an indicator of their talent and their mastery of it. I'll drink to that. And, and she's nailing the attitude of that song when she's singing it at the Sondheim 80th. It's just, it's almost like nobody else gets to sing it because she's now just defined how that song goes. Yes, which is amazing because that is an iconic song known as Elaine Stritch's song. And for someone to come in and sing it in front of her, of course they gave it to Patty. Who else Who else could do it? Elaine Stritch does not have the instrument Patti Lapone has. Patti Lapone, and I love Elaine Stritch, Patti Lapone's voice, let's talk about that just separately, her voice, she has an incredible instrument. If you listen to Evita when she's singing High Flying Adored, or, uh, oh, Rainbow High. She is hitting notes with such clarity and also beauty at the same time. It's breathtaking. That score, Avita is hard to sing, and she soars, I should say, through it. Yes, it's her acting, and it's her not putting flourishes where they're not needed. She also is blessed with just, I think, an incredible instrument. I always think of the story, I think it was Abe who told us that story, that while she was doing eight shows a week, she would finish Evita and then go sing a set or two at oh, Joe's, cabaret or Joe's Pub or something. But the fact that she could do both of those things mm -hmm. and not lose a step on either of them is amazing. It's kind of, you know, it's kind, say, right? kind of like what we say about Lawrence, Lawrence Taylor. Taylor. If he's 
dominating everybody and he's coming after a cocaine bender, like how good could he have been? And so it's sort of the same thing with Patty Lapone. If she's able to do that, I mean, it's like hands down, she is the champion. She is. And this is where we reach that very small Venn diagram of people that are going to talk about the NFL and compare it to Broadway people. The even smaller Venn diagram of podcasts <laughs> that will reference 80s NFL, yes. Broadway, and really deep jazz music. And yeah. I'm going to go one more, a little off topic, but I think it's in the right range. I'm from New England. Sorry. And uh, I was listening to football on the radio. And there used to be a guy on the Patriots called uh, Shane Vereen. And he ran in for a touchdown. And the commentator, I'll never forget it, said, Oh, the great uh, Shane Vereen tiptoes into the end zone like the late great Ben Vereen. Beat Ben Vereen still alive. I digress. Uh, so, yes, her voice is spectacular. Her her acting is on point and she also I think picks very good material she is can you always pick your material no however I think when you're that talented people come to you and she just soars to this and I would say this and anything goes she is a wondrous on every level she is not a dancer now let me tell you Reno Sweeney that part we would used to watch the Tonys of her and again to reference my friend Abe Sylvia would say you know in the parts of the you know anything goes where she should be dancing she would do the, just the step touch she's like oh it's the Lapone step touch because she can't really dance you don't care because they just dance around her and then she just oh, she kills anything goes and she kills you're the top and um, my favorite, Blow Gabriel Blow. Blow Gabriel Blow. Gonna blow Gabriel Blow. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now I go to the next clip that my I think has really brought you, my husband, over to the Pylopone uh, camp, as it were, would be her rendition of I Dreamed a Dream from Blade Mix. I dreamed a dream, time gone by. Never heard it until Susan Boyle sang it wow. on that show, and I was amazed because she did a great job. No, she did a wonderful job, and the lyrics were great. I mm-hmm. was really listening to the song. I was like, "Wow, that is deep and dark." And uh, yeah, so then I heard Patti Lapone's version of it, and I was like, "Oh, okay, now I see. Like, this is another level." The only thing I'd ever seen her on, even just only in passing, was on "Life Goes On." Mm-hmm. I'm curious. I'm sure I'm sure she's fine with it, but this woman who has achieved so much on the Broadway stage uh, is known for that TV show for a good many years. I think now it's moved on, but during that time that that show was on, probably for another three years or so after it went yeah. off the air, mm-hmm. people were like, "Oh, you're Corky's mom or whatever mm-hmm. it was." Corky. And I just I just wonder how like how that sat with her. Oh, I'm sure she was fine with that. She bought another house. <laughs> With that network money. Another vodka stinger. Yeah, exactly. And she has another Connecticut mansion. She's fine (laughs) with that, I'm sure. I would say Patti LuPone also sings the Beatles... Obladi, the theme to that show. Oh. You've never heard that? No. I've never, that it. show was not in my demographic. Would only see it flipping, you know, through the channels to find something else. Yeah, she sang the theme and she sang Obladi. It was amazing. Oh. But yes, I dreamed a dream, next level. I would I would also say this to you. I mean, as someone that, you know, again, knows Broadway majority through jazz because i think you know like surrey with a fringe on top and those you know, broadway show tunes yes. I, you know i come at them in the opposite direction of knowing yes. the the miles davis quintet version first or the sunny rollins version first and then jamal ahmad ahmad jamal uh-huh. 
hearing <laughs> hearing the song and then realizing, oh, Surrey with the Fringe on Top is mm-hmm. from Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah. Doesn't every jazz person do like my favorite thing? Well, it's an interesting. It's an interesting. Um, kind of, I don't know what it would be, a litmus test or a sort of sociological study, the number of jazz musicians who recorded their version of the songs from West Side Story and My Fair Lady outstrips the number of jazz musicians who recorded songs from other musicals at roughly the same time. They would pick and choose one or two here and there. But there are easily four jazz musicians who did their own you know, My Fair Lady. Oscar Peterson does mm-hmm. My Fair Lady. Shelley Mann does My Fair Lady. And that, I think, is an indicator in, in retrospect just how impactful that musical was and West Side Story, how impactful that was mm-hmm. um, because they were doing, like, all of the songs from it where they hadn't done that with uh, Carousel or Oklahoma or any of those other ones. You know, when we watch the Tonys and, like you said, it's, it's a little flourished, it's a little pushed, it feels a little polished, right? It doesn't feel, they're not connected. As I, as, that's how I feel about it. You also, don't the feel humor, connected. Broadway humor well, is yes, different than bad comedy. news. Nine not all times of it, out of ten. Not all. We saw Book of Mormon and I was so struck by how was great. legitimately funny it was. Mm-hmm. Not like Broadway funny. There's some things you can watch and you're like, ha ha ha, and you're laughing because it's Broadway funny. But so much that is supposed to be funny on Broadway is just corny. And when we saw Book of Mormon, my now friend, Jared Marshek Gertner, was in it. And he was amazing. And then two days later, I had our first son. And the whole time I was in labor, as I was standing there, I kept singing, I believe, and I would push. We should clarify that when you say you were in labor and standing there, it wasn't like they didn't have room and they were making no, you stand waiting for a bus. The way Jess was laboring involved sort of standing and uh and pushing and pushing and yeah. not lying down it yes. wasn't a passive labor for her and i believe was really getting me through um yeah i think so those are the things those, so going in those are the things that i that i quickly learned were roadblocks to me that were roadblocks to me having any real interest in doing too deep a dive into broadway the humor the jokes were not funny the people were too earnest <laughs> The vibratos were too... There was no subtlety. And I and will grant you that I don't think Broadway needs subtlety. When you are trying to sing to the balcony, the sort of Sarah Vaughn-type subtleties do you no good. The the sort of mm-hmm. Billie Holiday small interpretation of a song does not suit a Broadway show. It doesn't fit it. And I, I, I get that, but that's all that I had listened to. And so right. that's all I craved. That was what, again, why we are talking today, why there is a whole episode dedicated to... Patty Lapone, because I believe, I believe that she does that. Mm-hmm. She is able to do the subtle subtleties. She is able to, to a big room. She fills the entire theater, but she is giving you every part of that story. And that's what makes her next level. And there are very and, few of them. I mean, I've, I digress, I guess, or I don't know why I'm saying digress. Go back to Patty Lapone. She went to Juilliard. And she's, she did a lot of theater, theater before she did musical theater. She just happens to have an amazing voice. It's like she... So she's, she went to Juilliard mm-hmm. to be an actor, but not mm-hmm. not in the singing. I didn't know if they had a singing program when she went, but she went there to be so. an actor and then just also could sing like that? Yes, that's what I'm saying to you. She's like this iron lung. The woman is also 71, I believe, right now. And she just sang, I believe, three weeks ago for the Sondheim 90th. And her voice is still... Unbelievable. Which brings me back to Lawrence Taylor. Hey, Shirley, you better hope I never get back in there. I will kick your Once again, I feel like Patti Lapone is the Lawrence Taylor of Broadway. Stop taking pictures. Move. 
if you don't know who Lawrence Taylor is. Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. That's some fun. Lawrence Taylor changed the game of football, how it's played. He forced everyone else to come to him because he could not be contained. Just like Kyle Lapone has changed the face of Broadway. Everyone has to come to Lapone. And on another thing about Patty Lapone that I think makes her stand out is her political activism. She's a very uh, outspoken liberal voice, progressive voice, which I love. She also spoke out against people being on their cell phones in the theater to the point where she, in one, uh, the famous thing, the famous moment where she stopped the show and took the phone from the person's hand who was in the theater. It was right here. It was this lady right here and I just grabbed the phone. I'm like, oh. Because she was like, you're ruining the theater for everyone. How am I to concentrate? How is everyone around you to concentrate if this light goes on and why are people addicted to their phone? And it made her really question if she was going to keep doing live theater. What I'm saying is she stands up. She walks yeah, no, the walk. And she's, the, she's the perfect person to stand up. What Whatever the... the the traits are of Bernadette Peters, for example. For her to stand up would be great. It would be encouraged. But she is not going to hit you between the eyes with her beliefs in the way that Patti LuPone no. is. So Patti LuPone is she's, fire. Yeah, she's a, she's a very effective, I think, advocate. I don't know where she's from, but she's, she's definitely a New Yorker now. She just doesn't have patience for anything. She speaks up right away. Yeah, she's she from tells Northport, New York, yeah. on Long Island. So she's from Long Island. That's even worse. So, of course, she has no patience for anybody. <laughs> in a good way, in the best way. And it comes out in her, I think, probably in the best way, although I don't know if everybody who's ever worked with her would agree. But it's, Well, everyone has who do something I, what to do say. I care? Do what do I, mean? I care? That's what I say. What do I care? Because I don't care. I mean, I'm sorry if she was mean to you, but I don't really want to hear that story. I... As my husband will know, I can watch things on a loop. I am that kind of person. And he will often come in. I mean, I watched that Ladies Who Lunch from the 80th Sondheim concert. I could watch that five times in a row. And every time it will get me, I will cry every single time. Not just her acting. Her voice just goes right through you. That is, again, why she dominates Broadway. Brian Stokes Mitchell is the other one who yes. he was performing something on the Tonys four or five years ago. Man of La Mancha. He was it, singing... The Impossible to dream, dream. The Impossible Dream, yeah. He was singing the keynote song yes. of the show. And I maybe was in the kitchen or something, mm-hmm. and I kind of heard it, and it just was like immediately yes. connected to like, oh, this person is dealing. This person is laying yes. it down. it and i i had seen him on other things i think other time well i think i'd seen him in other straight acting things never in musical things and i was just amazed at how great he was and he he's another one of those few people Mm -hmm. that really breaks through it's funny because i think back to loving the music man robert preston is not a singer he's talk singing he's but that's fine it's like the rex harrison it's great yeah he's just he's maybe a step above rex harrison in terms of talk singing he's a little bit more singing than talking maybe than rex harrison i love rex harrison but go on um but it's it's so to me it's kind of funny that that sort of drew me in was the music man and it's not a guy nobody is really you know wells fargo wagon is not sung in a broadway well the lead the uh marion she does she's the only one shapoopy is not 
you know. Well, the the quartet they sing a nice quartet. The barbershop Good quartet. Night, ladies. But that's its own genre. True. Within true, true. the Broadway thing. No, you're so right. it's funny how like in thinking and talking about all the things that kept me at arm's distance about Broadway, that first musical that I really remember liking and seeing had so little Broadway in it relative to other shows. Yes. And Godspell certainly. Well, I don't. Godspell is I, I don't your think blind it holds, spot. Yeah, I don't think it holds up. And and as I as I go through and I look through. Yeah, it it's mean, fun. It's a fun. Show. I go through my iTunes library sometimes, and I'm looking at these beloved albums that I have, and I'm like, this. I know this is garbage. I know this is utter mediocrity, to have this foreigner record in here, but I like it. So this is, foreigner is your. Godspell, Godspell is your foreigner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. I, I, I don't know. You know, I don't know that you could do Godspell now and oh, have anybody. Do it. Girl, they're doing it right now. They're but doing I mean, it on a Zoom call right now. Broadway wouldn't re revive. Don't say Broadway is a. If it can make money, it's going to bring it back. But anyway, that that that's not a very Broadway show either. And then the third one that I really remember it being West Side Story. Mm. That Leonard Bernstein score is. You know, they talk about other classical composers and how influenced they were by jazz, and it's usually just appalling or stilted or misguided but that really is you can you can hear that he listened to jazz as a kid and that he had absorbed it and also it's just very very deep and Sondheim wrote all those lyrics yeah and most other musicals don't have that those are sort of I think all of those are the least Broadway musical musicals that you could be first attracted to West Side Story is a musical, 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 musical. It is next level because it, 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 it raises the bar on so many things. But I think people that love musical theater love West Side Story. I don't think... Um, yeah, but when West Side Story came out, I think it was very different than what came before yes, it. Yes, You know, those yeah. are all radically different than standing on the stage and singing your want song with a big wide vibrato and a, one tear streaming down your face. Right, which Patti LuPone would never do. No. Patti LuPone also really wouldn't be in West Side Story, so I feel like we have kind of left... The island. She probably could sing uh, "Something's Due Any Day." She could do that. She could do any of them. I what I'm. What I'm sure I'm, she's saying somewhere because everyone sings somewhere. What I'm just f- sort of realizing now is that my limited inroad to things Broadway was to first be attracted to things that were less typical Broadway, Broadway. Yes, yeah. and so it's like that's why you were resistant to when I was first brought up the idea of a pylopone night of watching a lot of Patti LuPone but like I said my husband I mean you can't deny her that's all I'm gonna say you yeah, yeah. and I went in and w- the very first time you made me sit and watch something Patti LuPone I very you know patiently was like okay this is gonna be an intolerable five minutes and 14 seconds or whatever it oh, is <laughs> but then quickly it was oh no she's bringing something again I think I didn't know that she was in that first class of the acting drama thing at Juilliard she was with, what's his name? Kevin, Kevin Klein. Klein. They dated for a long time. Crazy. That's in her book. He cheated on her the whole time. Well, most of the time. Well. But she forgave him. It's years later. But she's like, he was very a- attractive and they were young and on Broadway. And I'm sure he was very full of himself, too. Probably. I love Kevin Klein, but I feel like he probably was, he strikes me as being very much, Yes, he's. I'm he, an actor. He is an actor. I feel like he would be one of those guys. He's an actor. <laughs> and he's great I've enjoyed, he's wonderful I've enjoyed him in many many things I love but, him all the time but he was not good to Patty and that's alright he's moved on he married Phoebe Cates who everyone loves from what Fast Times at Fast Times at Richmond High I think what I think what sets her apart is yes. the fact that she has that rigorous Juilliard acting training with John mm-hmm. Houseman uh, and I think that's what takes her a step above she did not go to 
a musical theater school. How and I you? and I think <laughs> throwing shade at me. I don't mean it as shade. I think sometimes I think sometimes with artistic pursuits, if you go it's kind of like what we're experiencing now with when you're getting your news from news feeds that tell you what you want to hear, you're in a bubble. And when you go to a school that only does the thing that you want to do, you're in a bubble. And everybody's going to reinforce the things that they think are the way to do it because they are the stereotypical, cliched ways to do it. And you're perpetuating those versus going outside of that and simply just taking an acting class and learning how to act and then bringing that discipline into what the musical theater does. But you're now more steeped and more rooted in acting and not Broadway acting. And I and again, I will just say again, she's blessed with an instrument that is beyond compare. You listen to anything. You listen to her sing Meadowlark. You listen to her sing all of Evita. I said anything goes. Ladies Who Lunch, I Dreamed a Dream. Um, I love her on Sunset Boulevard. I love her recordings on that. They kill me. She is Broadway. She literally is Broadway. And she's the best part of Broadway. It's she's life changing. I I really mean that. I if I feel down, I will watch her sing something, and I immediately feel, you know, humanity is wonderful. So I'm so happy that I was able to open that door to my husband, someone that was not really into that door or wanting to even look at that door or even just was gonna pass on by. Pass by the house that that door was That's in. That's right. There was a door on a door. The door to the door. I don't know. This I ruined it. That's all right. That's it. I guess for this week. Yeah. But I highly recommend. Just go watch her sing anything. Uh, start with Ladies Who Lunch, or start with I Dream to Dream, and you won't ever stop. to follow james online you can find him on instagram at james underscore eason underscore music where he's currently posting a pandemic song of the day it's just a song no jazz solos and he's often interrupted by our kids and he just leaves it all in you can follow me at jessica.eason.agency for the next wave and casting new shows old shows reconfigured be prepared just in case you can follow the podcast on Twitter by searching Last One to the Party on Instagram at Last One to the Party Podcast. And you can send us an email at Last One to the Party Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we hope you'll join us again next time. All of Patty's amazing performances and all the performances you heard during this podcast can be found on YouTube. Last One to the Party Podcast was produced and edited by James Easton. The theme music to the podcast, Last One to the Party, was composed by James Easton.